Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. I realized that I am not sharing my whole world with you. And in order to do that, I've decided to put out an additional episode each week for you. And this additional episode is where I'm gonna introduce you to my life, my strategies for leadership, and guess what else? I'm gonna introduce you to my friends that are leaders in their space. I am a part of a business mastermind where I've met some incredible people. And before I was a part of this, I always wondered what it was like to be in contact with million dollar earners, people that are changing the game in their space. And so I am gonna introduce you to all these people. A few of them up to this point you've met, but I wanted to formalize it and make it something that you hear from me on a weekly basis. Some weeks you're gonna hear from people, some weeks you're just gonna hear from me, but this week I am diving into an amazing fitness instructor, uh, amazing business owner, just powerhouse in general with how to confidently rock yourself and honor your body and your energy. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Jill Coleman. Welcome back to the Leadership Playbook. I want to introduce you to one of the fittest people I know, uh, <laughs> Jill Coleman. Uh, Jill is the owner, CEO of Jill Fit. And if you are on Instagram, please follow this woman. She will motivate you, shake your world on a daily basis with her amazing words of encouragement and also a little bit of, ooh, I was hiding behind my excuse and you just called me out. Um, it's one of my most favorite things about you. You're so <laughs> in a really, really cool way. Um, so Jill, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm super pumped. Thanks for asking me. Uh, well, Jill also has two podcasts as well. So she's like podcasting woman um, from the word go. But I mean, <laughs> talk about your shoulders and how amazing. <laughs> A lot of it is genetic, I will say. A lot of it's genetic. It's I got those long clavicles. So I love it. Pretty They're broad beautiful shoulders. And you always rock them. I just thank love you that you do that. Thank and I've you. gotten a little bit better about that. There was like this whole, and I know you and I talked about this too, this whole, I don't know if you heard this when you were growing up, but I did that you reach a certain age and you're not allowed to dress a certain way anymore. Totally. And because, you know, you're older and so you need to start covering up. And I like you and more like, I think that's kind of BS. And yeah, I mean, you're also just at a different stage in your life too. You know, I feel like you and I are the same age. I think once you kind of get to this, what we call, I guess, you know, midlife or whatever, I don't know, like you, you kind of don't care quite as much. You want to feel comfortable. You want to, you probably feel more confident in your skin than you maybe ever have. I know in my twenties, I was very insecure. Um, you know, and in my twenties, I was 
I, I was in shape like a 20 year old is, you know? And so, but it's weird how that kind of shifts when you reach 40 and you kind of just want to do what you want to do and you let the chips fall in terms of how it's perceived. So yeah, it's been a fun roller coaster. It's so funny. You're right. And I remember one of your posts and we talked about this too, about I dress for me. I don't dress right. to impress anyone. I dress for me, what feels comfortable to me, what's beautiful for me. And it shows because when you're in photos, you're just really you. And I think that's so beautiful because you and I both know there are people out there that they're wearing clothes that you can tell they're just not comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. I certainly would not have felt comfortable wearing, you know, it was funny because I was looking at my Instagram a couple weeks ago and I was like, there is a lot of skin on this Instagram, but you know, it's one of those things where as a fitness, as someone who does fitness and I share a lot of fitness content, you know, it's just evolved over time. I also live in Southern California. It's always like 70s and sunny, you know, and everyone's in shape. Everyone's always outside. Everyone's always being active. So, you know, if I lived in a different, I lived in North Carolina in sort of a smaller town for about 15 years, I would never have sort of worn some of the stuff that I wear now. But, and also again, on the other side of a lot of different like life shifts and career shifts and whatever, and you sort of get to an age where you just want to feel confident. You want to, and you also want to I don't want to, you know, minimize the fact that you do want to show off your hard work. I mean, to me, I love lifting and I love being in the gym for health reasons, of course, but I also have a little bit of vanity where I like, yeah, I like having nice shoulders and, you know, like sculpted legs and arms and midsection or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not nearly as lean as I used to be, but at the same time, it's, it kind of is what it is. It's at the end of the day, you have to, you have to like your body. It's the only one you got. So Oh my gosh. Well, I've had two children and I can (laughs) tell you that I am not posing for Playboy anytime soon, but at the same time, I freaking love some of the stretch marks and things from that. Cause it's like, I grew people. Totally. That's amazing. Yeah. And I did it with like no effort. So that's wild. I know that like my son, my, my husband and I both are like, we don't know when we actually conceived him. Like I just went to the doctor because I thought I was pregnant and they mm-hmm. were like, you're 10 weeks pregnant. And I was like, wow, well, how did that happen? <laughs> um, so, you know, the fact that that was so easy for me, it's, it's funny how we can easily gloss over the things that our totally. bodies do masterfully and then fight over the fact like, oh, I have these stretch marks. I or- have a little bump or a lump or something. We beat ourselves up and I'm like, you, two humans came out of there. That's amazing. That's wild to me. It yeah. is to me too. I'm like, that's superhuman material right there. I just think that's amazing. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. Our bodies are incredible. Yeah. Well, and you, and do, I- you have a different appreciation for them as you get into like sort of midlife too. You're kind of like, okay, yes, I care about how I look. And there's always going to be that little bit of vanity or that little bit of affirmation that you want for, you know, staying in shape. You're in the gym every day. You want to, you know, people to say, wow, you look toned or whatever. But this is a day, a lot of it comes down to like, am I healthy? You know, and like, how do, do I feel good? You know, that's what I've been noticing, especially the last few years is just like, I want to feel good. I don't want to have like tanking energy. I want to have good sleep, you know, especially being more like getting into menopausal, like perimenopausal. It's like, you know, all that kind of stuff that you take for granted when you're younger. It's like, we really have to take care of that stuff, supplementation and uh, self-care and restorative activity and fueling properly and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's a lot to think about, especially if you're running a business or you have a demanding career or you have a family, you know, so it's a lot. I mean, think at the end of the day too, us women, we just have to also be kind to ourselves. You know, we're trying to do everything. And if I'm doing like, 
you know, one thing really well, probably the other two areas I always think about like health, wealth, relationships, one of the other two areas probably going to suffer a little bit. And so you just go, there are seasons in life. And I don't know that I can be firing at a hundred percent on each of these three big pillars, but I can do okay in all three and then maybe excel in one at a time. You know, it kind of depends on sort of where you're at in your life. I feel like there are just seasons where your focus is more on business career and because you already have the family and everything's good there and that sort of feels automated at this point you have the support of a spouse or a partner if you're lucky and then you know you don't need to like tend to that area it was interesting i actually went through a divorce in my mid 30s and moved out to from north carolina to la and started dating again and i was like wow this is taking a lot of mental energy <laughs> like talking to multiple people like keeping up going on dates it was just like and so i've been with my current partner now for 4 years and when we started dating and we got into a serious relationship and stuff i was like oh i got a lot of my energy back like a lot of my mental energy back to work on the business but at that time the business was sort of just in a holding pattern it just was what it was it had a season and you know it's and you kind of have to honor it you and i think don't try to don't beat yourself up about it just really honor sort of where your priorities are right now and everything ebbs and shit and flows you know life will if i've learned anything life has some surprises so all you can do is just be ready be and navigate them gracefully i guess oh my god that's so true i always joke with people that if you're like okay it's sunday night so tomorrow morning i'm going to work out for 2 hours I'm going to be vegan. I've never done vegan. I'm just going to just become that Monday morning. I'm going to be the best mom that has ever existed on the planet. I'm going to be an amazing attentive wife and I'm going to be super successful all on that Monday. <laughs> like, oh my God, setting yourself up for success. If you make it to noon by the next day, feeling any of that, like good luck. Like that's I know. insane. You but know, I think we like- have, and I'm, I'm so in, interested in this from a, the fitness perspective, especially is like this overhaul culture. You know, I think oftentimes we maybe get to the point where we're so sick uh, and tired of our old ways or the BS we've been, you know, putting ourselves through or whatever it is, especially, you know, we see this a lot in the health and fitness space on Sundays or after like a weekend of maybe binging Monday morning is a magical time, right? It's like not, we don't want to just change a little bit. We want to change a lot, right? It's, it's like almost like it needs to be an overhaul in order to be worth it. So when someone like me comes in and says, well, let's just why don't we just start, you know, working out two times a week? People are like, that's not enough, right? Like it just, it doesn't feel like enough for the amount or the level of sort of exasperation that they're at or the level of overwhelm that they at. They just need an overhaul. And and we know that unfortunately, like, you know, all or nothing always ends up being nothing, unfortunately. So, but you have 100%. to learn that for yourself. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, when I was pregnant with my daughter, she's my oldest. I just decided that that was like my free pass to just be like ridiculously gluttonous. So I ate everything. Like I was shocked when I gave birth that it wasn't a chicken finger. (laughs) (laughs) I ate so horribly. And by the way, I paid for it in all the ways I had preeclampsia right at the Mm, end. mm -hmm. Um, I was 60 pounds overweight when I gave birth to her. I kept thinking that I was going to have like a 30 pound baby. And then she was like seven pounds, nine ounces. And And you're like, oh. And I remember giving birth and like feeling really good because like the endorphins and like all the amazing things. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, wait, why do I not look any different? Like (laughs) terrifying. And so I was very much like you in terms of what you're saying about start small. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I'm not going to lose all this weight in five minutes. 
And the hardest thing for me at that moment was movement. And so that's what I decided to tackle first. And I said to myself, Emily, you can eat as much ice cream as you want. Let's just start moving our bodies. And I er I would earn my ice cream every day. And um, it took me nine months to lose the 60 pounds. And I, it, it was not just that. Obviously, I ended up with the nutrition and all that, but I didn't pick it all yeah. up at once. Right. Um, I spent at least 30 days just on the movement piece, trying to like nail that down and then made all these slow shifts so that I could lose the weight and feel so much better. Um, so I, I mean, love- not to mention the fact that you literally gave birth to a human, right? So your body right. is under extreme, <laughs> you know, duress and in recovery and healing from all of that too. So it doesn't want to just bounce back, you know, and I, I think no. social media has definitely sort of exasperated or sensationalized the postpartum journey to where you have these influencers who literally just gain like a tiny little bit right here. And then all of a sudden, you know, two weeks after giving birth, they look the, the you know, pre-baby body. So you know, the, the kudos to you for even being able to have the insight of like, okay, I'm going to go slow. I'm going to honor my body. I'm going to just start with this. A lot of people don't because they don't feel comfortable in their skin, right? That's the thing. If I work with someone who's maybe a little bit overweight or or, or something like that, they're just, their clothes don't fit well, right? Like stuff like that, where they don't ever feel just comfortable. So they do want it to just be off right away. Mm-hmm. And so that's where marketing marketers are really good in the health and fitness space where they promise, you know, overnight success, drink these shakes, go on this cleanse, do this detox, whatever. And unfortunately, those are the people that struggle the most. So at Jill Fit, we have part of our business's uh, nutrition coaching. It's called Moderation 365. And we are like the last resort for people. We, people who have done, everything sort of end up coming to us. And oftentimes they are, you know, from a physiological standpoint, they are extremely leveraged, like their metabolism, extremely leveraged. Like, and and so when someone says to you, if I look at a carb, I'm going to gain weight. It's like, that kind of is true. Not obviously that, but like something like that, because their body is so dieted, whether it's, you know, uh, just completely deprived that when they inevitably do eat a carb, yeah, they're probably going to see it on themselves, right? That's how sensitive their metabolism is. A healthy metabolism is a flexible metabolism. Like a healthy metabolism should be able to withstand, you know, some bad days of eating, some, you know, days off from the gym and not look that different. But if you're someone who like, oh, I can't do anything different or else my body looks completely different, then yeah, your metabolism probably is really fragile, right? It's really rigid and you want to, and so one of the things that helps make your metabolism more flexible is weight training. It's something that jacks up your metabolism. It, you know, and it helps you recover faster. It helps, you know, your energy, also get your protein up. Those are some quick ways that if you feel like you're someone who is just chronically dieted for a long time, it kind of is a catch-22 because the people who have the most flexible metabolisms are able to get away with the most nutritionally. That's why you, you know, you follow me on Instagram. I'm like, women need to be putting on muscle. It's a hack. It's a cheat code for for a healthy metabolism. So if you don't do anything different with your nutrition, if you just start lifting challenging weights, like you will definitely see you'll feel better, you'll see your body respond quicker, um, and it will get your metabolism back to healthy again. But you do need to give yourself some time of like not dieting, you know. And that's hard for people who just want the weight off or want to be back where they used to be. And you know, I used to work with people who were like, I want to fit into my high school jeans. And meanwhile, they're like forty five and they've had three kids. I'm like, why though? Why is that the goal? Yeah. You have a complete completely different physiology than you had when you were 18. You had three children that completely changes your metabolism. So it's like, why don't we become the best version of, you know, 45 years old? What does that look like? So yeah, it's interesting. Well, and it's funny too. um, So my mom has severe scoliosis 
And she had her spine fused when she was in the sixth grade. And she was the first, one of the first surgeries, spinal fusions in the state of Tennessee. Um, You don't want to be first, by the way. She was in a body cast, which they would never do nowadays. But back then, like cast everybody, you know, and don't move um, for nine months and had to be homeschooled. This is when she was right in the sixth grade. So like awkward time anyway. Um, but my mom's a badass and like came out of that stronger, um, has been really a leader in in my life in terms of staying fit because she knew that it would help her back. Um, but because she had that surgery when she was in sixth grade and it was one of the first, she ended up having to get it redone in, I think when she was about 60 or 65, um, I'll have to send you a picture of her back. It's insane. Um, it's like all fused in the back. It's insane. Um, this woman is 75 years old now and goes to at least four exercise classes a week. Um, she's huge on strength training because it's made such a difference for her and she's definitely had to maneuver, um, differently, but like, strength training is strength training, right? Like if you have to use a chair or whatever. And, um, so it's funny you say how your, your appreciation and like where you are changes because ever since I, she actually went to Texas to get the surgery done because it was very, there's this world renowned doctor there. And so it was like, do it with the very best. And my dad and I were taking shifts in the hospital, taking care of her. And in that time period, I realized it's not about the bathing suit. It's not about like looking good. It's about movement. And I have the ability quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I have scoliosis, not as bad as she has, but when I was there with her for that surgery, um, she insisted that I meet with the surgeon, um, to get my back looked at as well. And he said to me, when you are her age, you will be here too. And I was like, Oh, hell no, I won't. And so for me, every day that I work out is a gift. And especially I'm a huge fan of strength training because that's like the, you know, support structure of your body Mm -hmm. and the more muscle you have, the more you're able to support that back and support, you know, your arms, your legs, whatever your knees. I hate the whole movement of like, well, don't do that because it's bad for your knees. Yeah. Your knees are weak because you're your thighs are weak actually. So if you strengthen your thighs, you're helping your knees. Um, so anyway, um, totally. I just think that, you know, our idea of movement and all of that switches as we get older, like you said, it is about energy level. Totally. And And it's about like longevity and vitality and, you know, being able to move, you know, I want to still be able to be hiking and all that kind of stuff. When I'm 60s, 70s, I want to be able to do that stuff. So it's more about it's strength for sure. And it's also about functionality, right? Mobility, balance, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, flexibility. I mean, it's like, and I, I think when you're younger, really so much of it is about your ego and having to look good and to fit into a certain size of clothes or to, you know, have a certain weight on the scale, and if we actually look at what is healthy, it's not rail, always rail thin, right? It can be, but it's not always that. It's not always like, the, right. you know, the goal isn't to be like the leanest version of yourself. It's to be the most vital version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, to me, having uh, some body fat on, you know, being able to move, being strong, mm-hmm. being, I don't know, I, to me, that feels a lot more badass. It's funny because I was like 10% body fat when I was competing and I felt 
tired. I felt like a zombie. I like couldn't think. I had no energy. I definitely didn't feel sexy at all. Like I was like, don't even touch me. Like you just have this weird thing where like your body is just a work of art at that level. You know what I mean? It's like not even really, it's definitely not healthy. I'm losing my hair, like all this kind of stuff. And so I don't think the goal is to always just be lean and skinny and whatever. It's like, be the best version of you, whatever that looks like. I know it's hard, but I think once you get into your forties, you take that a lot more seriously because you also have, you know, we're obviously you and I are in a business mastermind together. We obviously feel like career and you know, professional life is very important. And that was one of the things that I couldn't do when I was doing all of my exercise and my obsession with food and things like that. I had no brain space to build my business. And it was when I started my business that I was like, okay, I want to make this successful. I can't afford to be at the gym three times a day you know, eating seven meals out of Tupperwares ever all the time, cooking, prepping, washing dishes. Like I have to figure this out. And that's when Moderation 365 was born out of because I was like, I have to automate this. I have to really minimize the amount of mental energy. Cause it's not just the time, right? It's it's all of the things that go into it. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are someone who's multi-passionate, you have to figure out a way to have fitness and health be a important part of your life and a joyful part of your life, but not your whole life. And obviously I come from the fitness space and we have people who, yes, we're in an obesity epidemic, but we also have people on the other side of the spectrum of the, the fitness community, the very hardcore bodybuilding space can be unhealthy as well. You know, like it's, it's all stress. So mm-hmm. someone might say, well, I don't feel stressed right in their head, but their physiology is under stress. Your body responds the same way, whether it's psychological stress or physiological stress. You still get the cortisol response, the the epinephrine, norepinephrine, like you still get all of that body breakdown and inflammation. Like it's not just, you can be here and go, I don't feel stressed, but if you're constantly doing you know, starving yourself and doing a lot of yo-yo dieting and doing excessive cardio and things like that, your body is going to respond the same way. So I'm here for the longevity talk. And, and what I love is you decision fatigue, I would say is chronic in our lives. And what I love about moderation 365 and, um, all of your programs in terms of weight training, you've got, um, something that's tread, uh, related. I like cornered you when we were at the mastermind and I'm like, I want to know exactly what the difference is. Cause I was reading all the different things. I'm fascinated because you posted this amazing picture of you now and you in your twenties. And you talked about being the slave to the stair. It was this, the stair, like the climber thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And you yep. were like, I got to hit 900 calories on this thing. Okay. Oh God, I would not want to be you in your twenties. No. Um, and then you were like spending two to three hours in the gym. And by the way, if you check this picture out, you look way better now. <laughs> but the, actually, the sad thing is I don't look that different, you know, and I exercise now for like 30, 40 minutes, a couple of like few times yes. a week. It's not excessive. I go to the gym, get it done, come home, start my day. You know, whereas before I was always thinking, okay, I need more, got to get more cardio, got to eat. Like I was always counting and measuring all the grams and all that kind of stuff. And what people don't understand is especially, and of course with moderation 365, the closest thing I can explain it to people listening is, is more like an intuitive eating approach where when we started intuitive eating, I think it was around, but no one's really talking about it. These were in the days of like, if it fits your macros was really big and, and things like that. Paleo was huge in t- like 2013. 2014. Um, so when I kind of showed up and was talking about moderation, people were like, this isn't hardcore enough. 
this is like, you know, it's kind of like your grandma eats moderately, right? Like it wasn't really hardcore enough, but it was a solution for people like me who were coming out of this very all or nothing way of doing things. And now it's sort of catching on where it's like, okay, now eating more intuitively, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I know that most of us, especially if you're listening to this, it sounds like you're probably a productive human and you really can't afford to be not only doing all that stuff, but thinking about it all the time. When people talk about macros or whatever you count, count calories, count macros, count points, it's not just, I've heard people say, well, it's just simple math. What's the big deal? And it is simple math, but it's not benign, right? On your phys- And you talked about decision fatigue, right? So now- I'm making all of these decisions in my business or in my career and with my family and all the regular decisions we make. And on top of that, I have an ongoing mental calculation of how many more grams of protein, how many more ounces of water, how many more servings of vegetables, right? And we're constantly beating ourselves up if we're not hitting our numbers. And so instead, could you learn or relearn your body's physical sensations? And I hate to talk about this because people always say, well, you know, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. You, If you say it to someone who's chronically dieted their entire life, they'll be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't been able to feel my hunger in years. And like most of us women in our 40s and beyond, oftentimes we, we're, we've done so many diets that we have completely lost touch with hunger levels, satisfaction levels, uh, fullness levels, any sort of mindfulness. So one of the big things, we have four big sort of modules in Mod 365, and one of them is mindfulness. And I sort of hate that word because no one really knows what it is. People just like kind of say it. Mindfulness is very simple. It's just a like low level of automated awareness of what's going on in your body. So if I said to you, you know, Emily, I'm, I'm starting to get kind of hungry. I'll probably want to eat here in the next hour. That's a mindfulness statement, but most people aren't able to surf a little bit of hunger, right? They're, they're either starving or they're stuffed. Like most people just ping pong back and forth yeah. between starving and stuffed. And so mindfulness requires that we actually ask ourselves. So one of the tools that we use in Mod 365 is I have our clients set a timer and we on their phone for like, like an alarm on their phone to go off every three hours. And it's not to eat, right? It's not like eat every three hours. It just goes off. And all you do is just ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, how hungry am I right now? Mm-hmm. On a scale from one to 10, am I, you know, how full do I feel? Or am I craving anything right this second? And that's it. It's just an assessment with zero judgment. I don't care if you're starving. I don't care if you're craving sweets. I don't care if you, you know, aren't are stuffed to the gills. What it is, is just an awareness exercise. And so many of us, we don't even start looking for food until we're already starving. And then we just grab the closest thing, which tends to not be healthy. And so being able to slow down time and assess, oh, you know, obviously one to 10 hunger, it's not objective. It's like, however you feel, right? Right. And so that's where you've probably heard eating to 80% fullness. That's not an easy practice for a lot of people who have dieted for a long time, you know? So they just like, they just eat till they're stuffed. And so it's a practice to even feel what 80% feels like. And the cue for me and for our clients is you could eat more, right? 80%, you could eat more. So if you feel like you could eat more, then chances are that's close to 80%, right? Obviously it's not objective, but that's the cue. And that's why it's hard because you could eat more and the food's so good or it tastes delicious or whatever. We're here and we're at a social event. And so it's a practice to learn what 80% feels like. There's a little bit more in the tank, but once you stop there, you're satisfied but not stuffed. And I think a lot of people don't like the concept of moderation because it feels so amorphous. You can't count it, right? But we can't, we count 
feeling, biofeedback. We count how hungry are you? How satisfied do you feel? How you know, are you craving anything right now? We talk a lot about that. And that's sort of how we quantify moderation. And it's practice. And people, like back to our earlier conversation, people want fast results. So me saying, hey, you know, mindfulness is probably going to take you a couple months to learn. Moderation is probably going to, it's going to practice, probably going to take you six months, a year maybe to master this. It took me three full years. And I wish I had something like Mod 365 when I was starting, but no one was really talking about it. So I was sort of, it took me three years to make that full shift. And then we put like 5,000 people through the Moderation 365 curriculum. And then we turned it into a certification where now we, we have like over 200 professionals certified. And so it's been vetted for like the last, you know, eight or nine years, but it's, it took a long time to sort of get there. And these practices are not quick, you know, increase your protein or decrease your carbs, or it's just not simple like that. And a lot of people just want, they want simple, they want fast, they want easy. But I, like I always say, moderation and mindfulness is work you never have to do again. You know, so it's like once you master it, that's it. Like if someone put a gun to my head and was like, okay, Jill, you need to do a some extreme diet, I'd be like, shoot me. There's just no way because at this point I've arrived after all these years of practice, I've arrived at the perfect way of eating for me. And when you arrive there, you never want to do anything different. It's just that people don't ever take the time to really learn it. Um, because it does it is a practice. It's not just you don't slot yourself into some protocol. You gotta do a lot of self-awareness work too. It's so true. I mean, just in general, because I'm a big energy person about work mm -hmm. because I feel yes. like when you're working, we do a lot of things because we feel like we have to, but like, is that really your calling? If everything feels like a have to and not, I get to, I get to do this thing today. I get to, I love streamlining processes. So I get to streamline a process with somebody or I get to help somebody discover their unique gifts and talents and create and showcase that on a resume or on their LinkedIn profile. That is so fun to me. But if you said, I have to go do my taxes, like that's a hack, <laughs> like not yeah, super yeah. excited about that. For right. some people it is right. My accountant, yeah, really some loves people, their brains work that way. They love it. Yep. Yeah. And so I feel like just as you're talking about with our bodies, we buffer a lot. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that term buffering, but basically this is how we buffer. We buffer with our phones. We buffer with food. We mm -hmm. buffer with alcohol. We buffer with drugs, um, gambling, sex. Yep. You can yep. buffer with a lot of things. Basically, I don't want to feel that thing that's uncomfortable. So I'm going to do this other thing to buffer. Love well, it. when you remove that buffer, and you actually let yourself feel, which is exactly what you're doing in this program, right? You're removing the buffer and just having them be aware of it. That shit is uncomfortable at first. Totally. But if well, and also because we're used to judging it, right? Like we're yes. like, oh, I don't want to be hungrier. I don't. I shouldn't be craving chocolate. I'm like, you have a normal physiology. It's not a character flaw. <laughs> like, right? It's your your body. That's the thing is your metabolism is so intelligent. You know, people try to really like do this thing and force it to be this way. It auto it's auto regulating constantly, right? It's taking in all of these inputs from sleep to stress to movement to, you know, exercise, activity to macronutrients. It's taking in all this information it's able to and that's why hormones exist, right? They're just like signaling molecule molecules. And they tell your body how to respond to outside stimuli. And to me that's like that's amazing. Back to the conversation of like the human body's amazing. So as dieters, we're like, we're almost 
taking what is natural and we're like really trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. You know what I mean? And then it backfires and we end up rebounding or regaining weight or, you know, compromising our metabolism and it just gets harder and harder. But it is, it's, it's a hard sell to be like, Hey, why don't you just learn about your hunger cues? You know, that's, it's a little bit of a hard sell. I mean, you and I, we do marketing, right? It's like, that's, that's hard. That's a hard marketing angle. And so my, my marketing angle has been like, Hey, do the hard work. There's no sugarcoating it. There's actually no shortcuts. It's just learning about your body. And But I promise you, if you do this, you'll never have to diet again. And I know that's a line, but at the end of the day, it's work you never have to do again. So you never have to spend money, time, energy worrying about it. You just know exactly how to eat and exercise for yourself. Well, and doing the work. So I was sending Jill these messages when we were at our mastermind. Um, She went for a walk this one morning and the rest of us, all women, by the way, that were, and, and there were men in our mastermind, but it was only women in the gym. So I don't know what that was about, but they're all doing Jill's program. And they are all swearing at her. Like they're, <laughs> they're like, this is so hard. And like switching out weights. Cause it was a, a super small gym. We were actually joking. Yep. Like the next mastermind, we got to get a better gym. Like this yep. is tiny. It was too small. It was, it was uh, tiny. Oh my God. So small. And like the weight selection, come on now. Um, So anyway, we were all joking. And at the same time, none of us were in the gym for like 17 days. (laughs) It was like 30, 40 minutes. I mean, we're swearing and, you know, cursing you, but it was clearly, and by the way, all these women were talking about how their physiques have changed and how nice it's been because all of us are these hard charging women We're running businesses. Um, a couple of the women that are in there are, you know, mothers as well. And to have a decision already made for us is just gold. And so to just show up and like, these are the things I need to do, get in, get out is just a beautiful thing. Don't have to think and, about it. Yeah. So it was just really funny. Um, and then I, I love was, that. I'm like, where is Jill? <laughs> I know it's funny. I actually went down afterwards and you guys were already gone. I did a, and I did a little 15 minute workout myself. So I was like, you know what? I can make, I could do a 15 minute or it was great. But you know it, what though? Yeah. That's the thing is when you have a metabolism that is healthy, you know, you can get away with that. You're on a, you know, 15 minute workout a couple times a week, not a big deal. You don't look different. You can, I mean, how many of us have said like we've traveled and we're flying or we're eating stuff that we don't normally eat. We come home and we just feel bloated and we feel gross. And we feel like I just need to get back to my routine. When you're able to trust yourself around food and your metabolism is healthy, you don't ha- you don't have those feelings, right? You don't have these huge ebbs and flows in your physique and whatever. It's just like cool, clothes always fit, zip right up, you know. And but it, it's definitely a practice. I think a lot of people. So you're what you're talking about is I was actually doing a. 40 day fitness challenge called physique 40. And it was interesting because part of it was people had to obviously do the workouts and there was an accountability aspect. And, and then they had to post their workouts on social media, which, you know, for people in the challenge, they weren't like you and I, where we do social media, they were like regular people with private accounts. And so for them to like, talk about vulnerability, right. Talk about sharing with your friends and family. And a lot of them were really scared to do it because they were like, my friends and family are going to be annoyed at these workout posts. It's literally just like a sweaty selfie or a lot of people just had a picture of a dumbbell or whatever. 
And, you know, they're not marketers. They're <laughs> just like a quick little picture. And it was really actually great for me from a market research standpoint. I'm like, these are my people, right? I actually got to see their face and hear their voice and read all the captions. Whenever we had, I don't know, probably, you know, I don't know, over, I guess, maybe 5,000 posts over the course of 40 days of people sharing with using this hashtag. And a lot of people said, this is so different than what I've ever done. And to me, that was really interesting because I always do short workouts. That's the way that I train, you know? So for people to say, wow, this is, it's just so fast or it just, and believe me, people were definitely cursing me for sure <laughs> because you can get away with 15 minute workout if it's intense. If you start slowing it down and pacing and, you know, and, and every once in a while you want a day like that where it's just chill, but for the most part, you can get away with a really short workout if it's intense. And so for me, that's, oh, I'd rather that than be on a elliptical for an hour zoned yeah. out, you know, burning how many calories and just reading a magazine or something, you yeah. know, no, give me my time back. I will take it all back. And then I will just really hurt for 15 minutes. Oh my God. A hundred percent. I'm, I am that school of thought, like the shorter amount of time, um, definitely possible. I have to say too, that the older I get, the more I realize, and you had mentioned this a little bit earlier about sleep, sleep very much affects my life. Mm -hmm. I have found uh, if I wake up two to three hours earlier for like insomnia reasons or whatever, I am so much hungrier that totally. day. And so I literally, if I find myself in an insomniac phase, I'm like, I do not want to eat today, go back to sleep because I just know what it's going to do to me. Totally. And I don't think enough of I don't think we talk about that enough. I think it's come becoming more prevalent, but I don't think people realize that you think you're getting in more work, but actually you're not because you're tired. Um, and the average brain can really only handle three and a half to four hours of focused work a day. Um, so we really should be working 20 hour weeks, not 40, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> um, but with sleep, it makes it even worse. Um, you're, you're, lag time is just horrible. It's like walking around drunk, um, but it makes you hungrier. So totally. if you're trying to lose weight, but you're also not sleeping, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And it's also more hours of the day awake, right? To eat. So yeah. not only is there a hormonal response and you're exactly right. They've actually shown in research that, you know, when you skimp on sleep, you're really just increasing the total stress load on your body, right? Total, total load of stress on your body. And, you know, stress as a hormonal response, like I talked about earlier, cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, right? And these things are related to, they activate hunger hormones. And so like, it, it's a real physiological thing. Plus you're just awake for longer to eat, you know, so there's more time in the day as well. And I think we're, I agree with you. I think we're sort of coming out a little bit more of that, like hustle, hustle culture, where busyness as a badge of honor sort of space. But that certainly was me, especially in my twenties. I was as a personal trainer, you know, you're at the gym before anyone else. I'm at the gym every morning at five training clients all morning, go home for a couple hours, completely brain dead. But then I have to go back to work around four and I, I train from four to eight. And so you're doing this split shift. Talk about like <laughs> productivity. I mean, no productivity, right? Busy all day, every mm -hmm. day, get to the end of the week with nothing to show for it. And so making that transition, and I'm sure you've read this book, The Powerful Engagement by Tony Schwartz. 
he's very big on that. I read this book in like 20, 2007, I think, and I wasn't ready to quite hear it at that time. But over the course of the next couple of years, I started changing the way that I not only manage my time, but more importantly, my energy. And as someone who was very much busy as a badge of honor, because look how important I am. Look how many people rely on me. If I you look how full my calendar is, I must be worthy, right? Um, and his whole thing was, you need a lot of downtime. People need a lot of downtime. And he was very big on block time. And he was like, your ability to show up and be focused in your work depends entirely linearly on how much rest you take. And that was really hard for me to hear at that time. Um, because I was like, the idea of going for like a leisure walk Tuesday at two o'clock or like reading a novel on my couch at like noon on a Thursday, I was like, are you kidding me? I have to be working right now. And I, it took me a long time to really make the vulnerable leap to trying it. As soon as I did, I was like, this is wild. Way more productive, way more stuff done in way less time. Like I actually didn't believe it, but we know this about, and obviously I'm sure you know the stats of like actual time people work at a desk out of eight hours is like 45 minutes or something like of actual work. Two hours, maybe. Two and a half hours. It's two and a half hours. (laughs) Of actual work, right? So imagine if you just instead... you know, use the other six hours of that time to give back and to build back your energy. So I teach something uh, to my students called anchor actions. Anchor actions are are up to three activities that you do every day. These are your non-negotiables that when you do them, it gives you energy back, right? Because you talked about decision fatigue all day, every day, we're, we're kind of breaking down our willpower. This is why people binge at night and not in the morning is because you just don't have any willpower left. And so what are these things that you can strategically place in your day and in your week to give you that little bit of a boost. It's been shown in research that even like a 10 minute walk will have you coming back to your work more focused. And I'm sure you know all this stuff, but anchor actions and they're individual for everybody, right? So what does that look like for you? And for me, it's weight training. I do a little leisure walk and I sleep eight hours and that's it. And other stuff, yeah, there's plenty of other health behaviors that I don't do well, but those are the three things that if I do them, because I don't care if I'm in the middle of a launch, I'll be like, I need eight hours of sleep. I don't care if there's stuff still to do. I'll be like, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to bed. Like, I'm not going to sit here and like try to figure it out. I'm going to bed. I'll wake up at six and I'll figure it out. Right. So I own my own business. I can make the, my own rules. But so those things are non negotiable. Now, you know, I'll have some wine or I'll have a little sugar, whatever. Like there's other things that maybe I don't do perfectly, but those things always give me a little boost. I come back to my work so much more focused and it takes way less time, but it's hard to make that leap. I think we are in this sort of busy culture. And so, but, and especially the eight hour work week, I mean, obviously you can speak a lot more to that or the eight hour work day. It's like, seems a little arbitrary, but. Yeah. I feel like given about 10 years, we're moving away from that just because it it doesn't make sense. Um, And once companies realize that it's actually hurting their bottom line as well, that's when it's really going to hit home. Um, I know a lot of people have gyms and everything in there, you know, thinking that's going to solve things at work. I think it's great. That's awesome. Definitely have that. Um, But at the same time, to your point, you need more breaks than that. Your brain needs more downtime than that. Um, I think our bodies are slower then we give them credit for. Um, just like you were saying, eating to 80% full. My opinion is my body is slow to actually realize that it's sati- satiated. That's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I get to that point and do think I can eat more, give myself 15 minutes and I actually don't want to eat more because it's like right. all catching up. Yep. Um So man, this has been so wonderful. You're amazing for coming on here and just dropping all these truth bombs on us. And you have 
so many amazing programs for people to jump into. And what I love is that they're really for any fitness level. Um, if you go to a gym, you can use your program. If you don't go to a gym, you can use your programs, um, along with the eating. I mean, to me, everything you just said is like, you know, one of those like brain explosions. Hey, <laughs> well, really, it's about maximum food. productivity, right? Like at the end of the day, I know that you that people listening, like we all want to be healthy, right? We all want to eat well. We all want to be healthy. We want to maintain, you know, youthfulness or vitality as we get older, and we also want to be successful in our careers. So you can't afford for things like exercise and nutrition to take up all of your time or mental energy. So for me, that was always it. As soon as I started Jill Fit in 2010, I was like this is it. I got to figure out the food stuff because I can't afford to, if I really want to grow this thing and if I want to have great relationships, give time to my friends and family, right? It's like something's got to give. So if you are someone who's you know, coming into midlife and you're just really still obsessed with your body and obsessed with food and obsessed with exercise, there are alternatives out there. It's probably just maybe what you haven't tried before. You know, take someone who's done, who do, feels like they need to do hours of cardio a day. And I tell them, you can actually just do 30 minutes of weight training. They're probably not going to believe me. However, once you start doing it, like you have to give yourself over to the process, right? The cardio is always going to be there. So if you're like, I just can't do it, Jill, I just need my elliptical. All right, cool. Go do it. Totally fine. It's always there. The extreme stuff is always going to be there. Why not try something else to start creating a show of evidence that like, oh, maybe this could work for me. Maybe this moderation thing is actually something that I could manage, you know? So to me, that's my, my favorite part about all of this is if it's not for you or if you try it for a couple of months and you just it's just not your jam, then the, uh, the extreme diets and the excessive exercise and all of those things are still going to be there. But why not try something else? I think you're going to be – this is the feedback I get constantly. Like I never thought it would work for me, but I just tried it and like – I can't believe it. My, I haven't gained the 50 pounds I thought I was going to gain or whatever the story is that we tell ourselves. I think for a lot of us, especially if you're driven in your career, right? Oftentimes it can be you're driven in your physical pursuits. You want to have the perfect relationship. You want to be the perfect mom. Like it kind of, it's the same shit, different outfit. 100%. But at the end of the day, right? You have to be like, it's good enough. And where do I really want to give my time? You know, no one's going to be on their deathbed being like, I'm so glad I did two hours of cardio every day my entire life. You're going to say stuff like, God, I really wish I'm so glad I, you know, spent time with my friends and family. I went on that vacation, enjoyed myself in Italy and whatever it is. And so I think to me, that's now how I make decisions. To me, I'm just like, what am I going to regret, regret more? Saying no to this, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity with my loved ones, or am I going to be mad at myself because I didn't get up at 5 a.m. to do, you know, my elliptical before the mastermind? So, you know, I think that's how I sort of start making my decisions, at least in the last couple of years. And then I had to cut the episode short because my power went out. <laughs> so as much as you're probably like, well, that was a strange ending. Uh, my power went out and it forced us to cut off. But isn't Jill phenomenal? If you want to follow her, I want you to go to the show notes. You can join her email list. You can follow her on all the social platforms. And I hope that you love Jill as much as I do. Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. It's packed with tips and tricks to lead and love your life. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram by typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. I'll see you here next week.